Exactly. And that's exactly what, you know, being a cog in the machine is. Mm. Is you're specialized for one task. That's exactly what corporate America wants, is someone who's really good at one thing that has a, you know, some sort of informational divide that can, that he has an edge over people and you want this guy in your team. Right. Now these, like, people like, I think like you, where you can almost adapt to any situation and your your interest and curiosity in a lot of things is very valuable, but in a way, in our society, almost can hinder you a little bit. Yeah. Because you jump from one thing to the other. back home actually from the cities and I just got to know him this uh, this summer by working with him which is crazy because I went to school with this guy for four years right and I never knew him and I started working with him this summer and we actually have so much in common um, but he's got a vinyl player and he's got all the Pink Floyd albums and he's got like Whoa. super like vibey lights so I just go over there every once in a while we'd smoke up and we'd just sit in his room like in silence for like an hour just that's, listening to Pink Floyd vinyls. That's an oasis right there. It is. It is. And you come out of it just feeling like a new creation. It was so weird. Just a surreal feeling. Yeah. Places like that are so rare. Because so, like, I feel like, at least where I come from, people are so scared to filter their money through that, like, I'm going to set up, like, a sanctuary. You know what I mean? Right. It's such a rare thing. Right. Yeah. For young, I don't know, like people our age to sort of like seek asylum in totally totally because yeah um that i've never really thought about that before but i mean this right here what we're doing right here i think for you know someone like you a, a conversationalist and in, in, uh an intellectual thank as you. they would say yeah thank you Jay. Yeah, you're welcome um this is sort of your oasis absolutely man that's i think i don't know I think this podcast makes itself, you know, and I, I think um, as long as I'm having fun doing it and... What do you mean by the, Sorry, what do you mean by that it makes itself? Just like this feels so natural to you? Yeah, I think uh, if you can make, you know, I don't know, if you can make your work your play, you know, if, if your relaxation time totally. is, is productive. Totally. Now, do you think that can be a dangerous thing? Um, Making your your yeah. work your play your play your work everyone then i think you lose sort of like your groundedness with, with reality you know what i mean i think people who are in the entertainment in industry for example look at kanye you know, right that makes sense and that is the thing is um what what you're saying about making you know, your play your work or your work your play for almost all people i i would think well from my experience, that ends up being in something in the entertainment industry. You know, I got buddies that want to make music. I got buddies that want to be, you know, screenwrites. And I got buddies like you making podcasts. And it's it's totally respectable. Um, 
but like Jordan Peterson says, it's risky. So I think what you're doing is you got now you have a lot on your plate, but I think it's almost sort of like the best of both worlds. Yeah. You're going to college, you're getting a civil engineering degree, like you said, to get edge over people. That's right. At the same time well, for the uh for the record, it's I'm actually in between Oh, hold up. I'm in between majors right now. Okay. So, you okay. Know, I'm, I'm, uh, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Sort of, you know, I got one <laughs> foot in industrial, you know, one foot in civil. Okay. Uh, you were, were you civil last semester or were you uh, industrial? I was I was mechanical and then I went industrial. You were mecha- Oh, you went mechanical, industrial, and now you're thinking civil. Yeah, that's my that's sort of like my bargaining chip. You're, you you're, that's your it's, bargaining chip. Yeah, so I go in, I go, I'm like, listen to me. Yeah. You know, I know that you know that I don't know. Exactly. But, but you I do, sit but there. what I do know yeah. is I know a little bit of each. Yep. You know, yep. I can be a communicator for the company. Dude, that is actually <laughs> crazy that you say that. That's so weird because I have um, a very, very similar mission in mind. Mm. So, I think, so let me, let me, I'm going to say stuff. Let me know if this resonates with you, all right? Okay. Decent at math and tech and stuff like that, interested in it, but you look to the, you know, the guy next to you in some of these classes, and they're just wizards, right? Yeah. Well, there are wizards, dude. Yeah. That's something that I feel like in engineering, it's humbled me. <laughs> oh, totally, man. Totally, man. There's people who are lethal, lethal with math it's it's actually insane how some of these people's minds work how they can uh solve like their problem solving skills in in, in a logical way is just amazing that they can just achieve this next level of focus block out everything that doesn't matter and just solve the problem and that's where you get paid the big bucks nowadays absolutely with people with super hard skills like that dude they're the workhorse for the company yeah have you yeah. heard of the Pareto distribution? What is that? It's like the 80-20 rule. So okay. it's like 20% of... People like make any, 80% of the money? Yeah. And then reverse? And then reverse. Gotcha. Or in the same thing with success in a company. Okay. Or just any sort of uh, skill in general. There's going to be a very small amount of people who are absolutely lethal at what they do. Right. And then a ton of people who are at the bottom. Right. Right. Totally. And... Um, is so I think that rule is also especially true, maybe even more so like ninety ten or ninety five five yeah. when it comes to stuff in like the creative industry. Right? Dude, it's so steep. It is you're it's climbing very one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And the you know you and the thing is you never really reach the peak of this mountain. Mm-hmm. Look at Joe Rogan, right? You can say he's made it one hundred percent, but this guy for what, like three, four years? Has been putting out episodes at least like once a week, usually like two or three. Yeah. This guy just got a hundred million dollar uh, deal with Spotify, right? Mm-hmm. And he's still putting out episodes consistently, like two, three times a week. And I don't think under people really have perspective and understand how difficult that is. He's on episode what fi- over fifteen hundred. It's crazy to be that diverse in conversation. Totally, and, and how like these conversations he has are so intense, right? Yeah. He's he's locked in. And that's yeah. what I've enjoyed about doing this is because I feel like uh, I've been able to sort of expand on that skill a little bit. Totally. Is 
it's hard to sit in a room with a person and sort of meditate alongside someone else's thoughts. Does that make sense? And you, and sort of being this like, this engagement that's very intense, but also right. like you're learning a lot from. I feel like m- most conversations today are so superficial. One hundred percent, one hundred percent, man. I I completely agree with you. And and um, uh, I spend a lot of time thinking about this, but this is why I generally like meeting someone new in Fargo versus meeting someone new in the cities. Yeah. Um. There's there's much more, especially in like the suburbs of the cities. Super rich, super hustle, super like you have a an image, a uh, persona to upkeep, right? Mm-hmm. So you got all these people that um, some of them ha- have made it, but a lot of them haven't. Yet they're keeping up this image, so it's it's hard to meet someone and really get a, a gauge for them and how they feel towards you or, or what they do or what type of person they are because so many people just have this fake image up. And it's weird because they perpetuate that that'll be successful because that's why they keep it up is right. because there's a lot of money riding on that persona. Right. But some people I've met, dude, I don't know. Like there's some idiots out there <laughs> who are I'm oh, just like, how are every you day real? I live, man? Every day I live. It's it's crazy. And they filter it. And then you, you learn more about them. And it's like, OK, this is who you really are. OK. OK. So can you elaborate on that? It's sort of like uh, like um, I don't know. Like you meet someone and they and they give off this image, you right. know, and then you totally. learn more about them to sort of investigate why is this just sort of like a face that you put up mm-hmm. and that there's something lying underneath or mm-hmm. is it all the face? Right. Does that right. make sense at all? Totally. And, and you investigate a little bit further and then you yep. realize it is just the face. Yes. It's like, yes. I don't know. Yeah. And then a lot of those times, like, um, when a people has a certain face like that, it's usually not too hard to spot the reason why. Mm. And a lot of, um, so I went to, I went to like a private Christian school in like the suburbs of the city in Chanhassen or Chaska rather, uh, for two years. And there's quite a few people that, um, get like a lot of pressure from their parents, right? Oh, You're, absolutely. Because these schools, like they're not cheap, right? Yeah. So they're being put into these programs, these, these schools, and they're being pushed super hard by not only the, you know, their parents from home, but the staff and faculty at this school. Um, like there was no goofing around at this school, to yeah. be honest. Like uh, me, me and like a lot of my buddies, especially some of my buddies, like just the absolute goons, like they'd be in the principal's office day, you know, day in, day out. Just so, my, yeah. Somehow those guys are the guys that like stuck with me the most though. Totally. <laughs> it's like totally. There's something about your defiant. It's a thrill. It's a thrill. It's like the man raging just... against the machine. <laughs> yeah. It's oh, there's something beautiful about it, man. Yeah. And those are the people who, you know, they'll be penalized pretty severely for not going with the flow of the operation. Totally. Totally. But you just have this respect for it. And this is uh, see, I did not realize this in high school. Um I thought now people only did these this goon stuff to have fun, and that was a large part of it. But there, now looking back on, it, I realize there's a couple of like super intelligent guys that were also like the biggest goons, right? Yeah. And that's because they realized that although they might lose some respect from their elders, 
they gain a lot of respect from their peers for being that guy that's willing to, you know, (laughs) stand out and take a risk, you know, but do so with confidence. But as Jordan Peterson would say, life is all about balance. You know, you got your chaos and you got your your order. order. Yep. Yep. I was just thinking that. Just thinking that. God bless that man. Dude. Yeah. And like, you know, the, the, the order is valuable, but without the chaos, life is just monotonous. Absolutely. Well, this is what we were talking about before the pod started was, uh, you were saying, um, you're talking about rock bands in the eighties, Montley crew. Yep. Yep. And sort of this, this uprising movement. Right. Right. And so, but the thing is, I think if you look at a lot of those, those rock bands and, um, I don't know, for instance, like Wolf of Wall Street, like that type of stuff, Mm. not enough order, right? That's what happens when you give in to your, your, um, your impulse isn't given to that chaos a little bit too much, I believe. Yeah. It's just the way I see it. Um, so it, it, it makes, you know, they lived the high life. They had a good time. They both got extremely lucky that they didn't come to an absolute just fiery destruction demise, right? Yeah. Molly Crew just taking drugs day in, day out. Same with Jordan Peterson. Uh, and I mean, Jordan... Jordan Peter or not Jordan Peterson, my bad. Well, Jordan uh, Peterson openly smokes weed. Oh, does he? Yeah. Does he? I looked. There's a clip on YouTube, and it's really old. And he said, uh, "It sounds like he's saying." I don't know if this is real or not. I need like a Jamie to pull this up, but it sounds like he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like he's saying. Uh, is somebody asked him like, "Hey, Jordan Peterson?" He's at a yeah one of his like tour shows. Yep. Yep. And they're like, uh, Jordan Peterson. Where he's just uh, like fuck. taking questions from the crowd at this point, right? Is that what's going on? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And somebody yeah. asked him a question. He's like, do you smoke weed? Yep. He's like, well, every damn day. Like like really? just about when he was younger. He he would smoke weed consistently. Yep. Stoner. He was a stoner. Yeah. I think I also remember you. He tell- drinks a lot of alcohol too. Does he? Yeah. Wow. I did not know that actually. He did. He did. He did. Yeah. There's a lot of bits about it. He insinuates upon it. I love Jordan Peterson, though, but he has that cowboy persona. Totally, totally. But he sticks to his guns. Um, Didn't you also tell me that Jordan Peterson was arrested, like, five five times or something? I'm not sure. Back in his childhood? He was arrested five times. I thought I remember you telling me that, like, a year ago or something. Dude, it sounds... Maybe he did. I don't know. I might have forgotten. I thought he was kind of up to no good in his childhood. He was definitely. Uh, I, I I have his book, and he talks 12 about twelve rules for life. That's right, baby. Yeah. How, are you finished with that yet? You're on page seventy four. Uh, fall semester of twenty nineteen. I'm pacing my way through. You're pacing your way it. through yeah, it. The tortoise wins. The tortoise yeah. wins in the end. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh man. Which yeah, rule dude. are you on? Like eight. Eight. Do you know what it is? It's uh, clean your room. Clean your room, dude. Yep. Facts, man. <laughs> That's what so I do, man. The the clean your room, man. That was extremely valuable to me last semester. You know yeah, what I mean? Dude. Like being being in like on your own for the first time. That's huge. There's so much going on around you. It makes it feel easy, like that like you can lose control super easily because you're trying to balance classes, social life, uh, work. And everything to the max, right? And mm-hmm. you get back to your dorm, and like you feel some sort of, you know, like you're alone. You can relax there, but not really, because even the dorms are still really popping. So you're kind of really kind of on edge, and you can it feels like you can lose control easily. But um, just doing something something so simple as cleaning your room, getting Dude, that in order. 
Dude, you're, I mean, think about freshman year. Dude, we can reflect. No. The dorms are an experiment. It is. It really is. Now, it's so weird. There was a uh, uh, potential, potential new guy, new Theta Chi guys talking to, and he got Corona, and he stayed in North Weibel, the Gulag. Whoa. So... <laughs> The it was it was super funny like so when I when I imagine North Weibel I'm imagining you walk in and it's like you got the lepers in one corner and they're croaking and then you got some other guys and they're barely hanging on everyone's like super sick you know just like a yeah. depressing place but it's the opposite <laughs> it's the opposite it's the you, opposite you get a, these guys like they're getting like because these are like usually typically pretty healthy people and mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so they 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 can uh, take out the Rona pretty quick. Yeah. So uh, uh, they got like a uh, typically it sounds like if people get like a fever between like one and three days. Oh. And then, and then you got all the beauties out there looking out for the North Weibels. Nice, they, they come dude. by with some booze and some snacks <laughs> and just set them up for a good time. And there's one RA for all of North Weibel. Dude, what's it like being in the in the frats? Can we talk about that? Because I'm not in a frat. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I've sort of gone outside that realm, but yep. I, I, I love people who are in frats. And I think the culture is just, it's cool. It is cool. And uh, at least for me, in, in my beginning, is I, I had no interest in joining a fraternity, right? Yeah. It kind of just, I ended up joining a fraternity because that's where my friends were. Yeah. So my roommate, David... Yeah, he has an older David. David Lukens, absolute beauty. Shout out, shout out, button pushers. That's Um, right. But uh, his older brother was in Theta Chi, right? Yeah. So I mean, I had all the all the Theta Chi house parties and Theta Chi actual parties. I had all those plugs. I just show up, and and, you know what kind of freshman isn't want to you know gonna want a house party or frat party, right? Yeah. But then just I party with these people so much, started meeting up with them like outside parties, getting to know them. And then, you know, I was like, well, these are my boys. These are my friends and my brothers. I mean, I, all I have to do left is just make it official by joining. Yeah, man. And so that's how it ended up for me. But living in the frat is every day is like a new like battle almost. But you look forward to it. What do you mean by that? Oh, especially with like some of the newer guys. There's so much just like pent up like energy and like testosterone and really you know it's uh it can be especially like on the weekend it's like it's fun man yeah just being with the boys and, and like because you like you're all very comfortable with one another so you know you don't feel the need to have to like you know if you're at a party and you're the new guy you might have to feel the need to flex a little bit right yeah to get a little bit of respect yeah dude definitely and there's all sorts of love Right. You know, okay. we think of like paternal love, romantic love, but like brotherly and sisterly love, that's a real thing. That is a real thing. And yeah. I, we've both experienced that. Like I've experienced yeah. that before in high school when I played on like teams and stuff. Yep. Like, oh, there's a, yeah. There's a test like and that's sort of being that's something that's being like under attack these days almost. Is that sort of toxic male toxic. Right. Right. Yeah. And the like uh, like almost like the tribalness of it. Yeah. Right. And I think that's typically looked down upon as a bad thing. Right. Mm-hmm. The tribalness of, you know, I, and I think there's tribalness for women, too. It's a different yeah. type of tribalness, though. But I think the tribalness is typically looked down on quite a bit. 
Yep. But I think there's a value to it. Just having this underlying sense of being a part of a team. Mm. You know, sometimes you do got to be the link in a chain. You do because the chain is powerful. The and chain if you is believe powerful. in the if you believe in the spirit that's that's the driving force behind that chain, right? You're going to be a part right. of something big, oh, bigger than yeah. yourself. Totally, totally. And um, I, I think just to shoot from the hip here, I think a lot of the reason why, you know, it feels like some, that chain in America is getting kind of weak. It's yeah. getting kind of weak, and I think that's because our. Our it's so, is, this is the weakest it's ever. Man, yeah. I don't know. I haven't been alive during the six years or maybe civil war. Yeah, <laughs> probably the probably the, Dude, the it's, weakest. It's but boiling. we're getting there. It is. It is boiling, and you know, that's what's uh, happening in Portland. That's what's happening in will happen. But Minneapolis, it's just this sort of ah, man. We're. I feel like there's a separation in ideology somewhere along that line. Totally. And, and it's, it's getting too steep to where we can just put a Band-Aid on it. Right. Right. That Yes, that's true. And then also I think um, social media um, magnifies that, that divide be- between the ideologies. Yeah. It, it, like this right here, you know, these type of conversations are powerful and useful because um, you can actually change someone's mind or you can actually gain a new perspective. Because people are people are people, you know, people are weird. People are interesting. People are, you know, I don't know. And we get wrapped up in this fighting spirit and this tribalism essentially. Right. But it's unhealthy because some tribalism is good. It keeps us together. Yeah. We feel like we're serving something greater than ourselves, but could you imagine a war a, a war in America? Dude, crazy dude. That would be insane. Imagine dude, like you and like right now we're brothers. Oh my what God. if you know tomorrow, you know they they you know West Side calls up Hayden, East Side calls up Jakey. They put some rifles in our hands and we're shooting each other like that literally was what happened in the Civil War. And that wasn't that long ago. In human history, yeah, it, no, no, whenever all, there's been yeah. civilizations, that's a blip. Yeah. It could definitely happen again. And I'm not calling for a civil war, people. No, no, please don't. Please don't. You know, I don't want to bring the artillery out. <laughs> all right. But, yep. Yep. you know, we got to, you know, we got to reconcile our issues. Totally. We got to be able to, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Hayden, you've been working out? A little bit. A little bit? A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. I'm preparing for the war. So, oh, you're preparing for the war. True. True. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to be on the front yeah. line there. I will be front line, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, no, the the, the military is also like, uh, so obviously I had the perspective of my brothers. They're both in the military. Yeah. Um, And that was kind of one form of perspective, but then it's, they're not going to tell me everything, right? So mm-hmm. I, I'm uh, there's like eight year, eight year gap between me and Mitchell, ten year gap between me and Alex, right? They're not gonna tell me everything, but now that I have buddies that have gone through like basic training and training in California and been on the streets of Minneapolis during the protests, you know, one of those National Guard guys just standing in line with the rifle, like they told me this story for one of my boys back home that like he was standing there, and this protester like comes up to him and, um. You know, yelling insults at him and whatnot. Um, 
and trying to like provoke him and they put his hand on his gun my buddy's gun and my buddy like i mean he he, you can't let that slide right yeah you know it's so he like just like bashes the guy in the nose and he backs off and i'm just thinking wow this guy's 19 years old and he's being put in a position like that holy shit crazy dude dude. that's crazy (sighs) i can't even imagine the amount of like responsibility on each one of those guys and controlling that in a situation that's very tense there's a lot of adrenaline and you don't want to you don't want to be the reason that a civilian gets a gun and shoots a ton of exactly national and, guard members and then on the other side you don't want to be the guy that that fires up the riot even more it's, it's you got to be careful and but it's the line to walk is way too skinny yeah it's it's impossible 100%. to satisfy both sides nowadays it is impossible it's impossible yes yes um and i think stuff like um like if you can imagine those political ads where it's like if you vote for this guy you're this because this guy supports a b and c if that if you make that makes sense so it's like Mm -hmm. the classic one is like if you vote for trump you're a racist now do i personally like trump i mean i personally really don't like either of our candidates but stuff like that is damaging, right? Who would you vote for? Who would I vote for? I'm voting for Joe Jorgensen. Who's that? Is uh, that an independent? So she's the libertarian candidate. Uh, libertarian she, man. Yeah, yeah, and just like uh, her policies are just like down, like down to earth and uh, common sense, in my opinion. Uh, sort of like a, um, mind your own business. So like uh, cut out of like victimless crimes, stuff like that. Um, She's on the ballot in all 50 states. Uh, What's kind of bogus is even though she's on the ballot in all 50 states. Dude, I say bogus too. You say bogus? Nobody I know up here says bogus. I like that word. I like that word. It's just like. It it rolls off well. It does. It does. It it gets the people going, man. It's weird, man. It gets the people going. It's weird. I feel like other people in Minneapolis haven't like. Because you're Chanhassen area, right? I am. I am. Yes. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I feel like. because Bloomington's a bigger, bigger city, right? How many? What's the population? Yeah. It's. I think it's a little bit less than Fargo. I think it's been a while since I've checked, but it's um it's Bloomington Normal, so it's like a twin city. So I went to school in Normal, but I lived in Bloomington. Gotcha. So it's like a rivalry, but it's basically kind of like the same same thing. thing. Gotcha. And that's like together. That's a little bit less than Fargo. So it's a little bit more dense. It's a little bit more, more of like a city feel. Yeah, like our campus here is very flat and it looks like very nice with a lot of flowers. Yep. Um, campus at Illinois State, which is yep. in my hometown, it's like, uh, like the dorms. They're like the tallest dorms in the state, and they are. Um, you can see the whole city from there, and it's built like a, a very urban style. Yes. Yes. A lot of elevators, a lot of stairs. Yep. It's sort of like a mini Chicago. It's sort kind of, of interesting. Okay. Now, do you like that? Like urban hell type feel yeah because that's what it is that's what it is i i think in a lot of ways it made me who i am totally in the way that you think what do you think uh it's in what way has it affected you the most i don't know i think i think there's a lot of good and bad that goes along with that because i think for certain things you have to sacrifice other things totally totally it's it's like thanos man that's right it's like thanos that's right all things must be balanced. Yeah, man. I think... Let me think about that, dude. 
Because this is kind of getting to like your core here. Your your your. Yeah, this is like my nat- my nurture side. Yes, yes, your nurture side. So, I grew up. I was, um, you know, I was a pretty quiet kid. Were you? I was very like shy and like withdrawn, and Why? I was like, I was a thumb sucker. Did you? Have, I don't know. You were? Did you have anxiety? Probably. I think I remember Social anxiety. having anxiety. Gotcha. I was very nervous around people. What made you nervous around people? Um, I think it was just, I don't know, something made me suspicious. Suspicious? Yeah, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but you have to be careful with that, right? Yeah, because you can't be suspicious of everyone. Right. You have to make teammates in this world. Exactly. Exactly, <laughs> you know? But then, And then a little bit further down the line in elementary school, I sort of just completely flipped the script. Did you? What, what made you flip the script? See, that... You, I was don't it the know. goon buddies? Was it, it your goon probably. buddies? The bad influence? Probably. It was probably a little bit of that. A little bit of me wanting to like break out and like be who I want to be. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Because you're getting kind of that to that age where you're like, all right, I need to you have an identity. Defiant. Yeah. Because yeah. that's important. A man needs to have an identity. Totally. And especially here because we see all this stuff about like you got to be your own person. Like everyone's unique. So it almost puts a sort of pressure on you to be something different. Yeah. It's very interesting because now in America, we got a, like, I feel like a wide variety of niches. Yeah, it's getting kind of crazy. There's so many jobs that are popping up for things because yeah. we're doing well as a society. Yeah. That's what people don't realize. That's why I don't know where I, we are unhappy. It's because of we inequality. We shouldn't be on paper. We shouldn't be, but. It's because of inequality, inequality. and that's why it's this bubbling rage in America. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's what it is. Because wealth, think about it, man. We're sitting we're sitting in a house from the 1940s right now. Yep. But we're college students. We have no money. Yep. We're taking out loans, but we have houses to live in. Yep. That's crazy. It is strange. It is strange. Think about that. Think about 200 years ago. Yep. Being 19 years old. You're living in a log cabin. Yeah. Oh, no AC, That'd be no heat. So nice, dude. Your family sends you off to college. You sleep in a little box. I personally, okay, if I had like heat and AC, would love to live in a log cabin. Really? I would. Something about that feel. Something about that feel, man. Just like, just, I mean, I, I can't think of the word, but let me paint a picture for you, right? So you're just a guy, you know, you got a dog, you got some fishing rods. You own the local hardware town is or store in town, you know. You uh, you live in a log cabin, you know. Each day is your own. It's a quiet life. Yeah, it's nice. Have you seen Into the Wild? I have not. No, I haven't either. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's like uh, I've seen previews, and I'm like, this is interesting. So yeah. it's like yeah. uh, these people pursuing like a greater sense of self. Yeah, through, like going into the woods and finding them. So I had a really long conversation with some of my buddies and they really changed my mind on this, Mm. that the key to being satisfied is that simple man lifestyle. Yep. You know, like if you can think of the song, Simple Man by Leonard Skinner. That's that's, a deep cut. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you get that, that's like America's Nirvana. Yeah. Where you're satisfied with where you're at. 
because not many people are in the in the hustle and bustle of modern America. Dude, there was a previous episode. Okay. Where I had a a guest um, read aloud. Have you ever heard of uh, the poem Walden's Pond? I have not. It's like a uh, it's like an old like Henry David Thoreau from like the 1900s poem. And it's about really? like, and I had to read it. It, no, was a, it was a weird segment I was trying out on the pod. Okay. I, I was trying new things. You know? Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be experimental, man. That's right. Yeah. So I, I had to read this, this piece of old American literature. Okay. What happened? And she was like, and she didn't really get it, but it was about like, it was about like, uh, sort of having, you know, well, could you maybe pull up the poem? Oh, dude, is, that, is that worth See, it or no? Oh, it's worth it's it. Worth it's it? Okay, worth it? Okay, because now I'm intrigued. Dude. Uh, What's it called again? Um, the Pond. The Pond. Do you, do you like read poetry in your free time? Actually, no. So, yeah. So, in high school, okay, I was pushed down like the AP literature, AP English route. Yep. For whatever reason, and I was interested by it. Well, know? I can see why you'd be pushed down it. You're uh, you're a literate man, or you're uh, you're just, you're good at conveying ideas. Thank you. Yeah, and I think that's a being able to convey ideas and sort of arrive to your own conclusions. That what that's what original thought is. Yeah. When you're going to a school to actually become like an English major. Yep. You are being taught skills to establish individual thought. You're being like bombarded with all of this information of like, you know, religious studies and theory of ethics. And it's it's like this it's this grand sort of blossoming of the personality. But then you go to other schools and it's a joke because they don't have a program that can teach something that complex. Yeah. It's it's as steep as any other industry. Like think about someone who becomes yeah. like a yes, an ex, a distinguished writer in our society. Yep. That's not really a thing anymore. No, it it's not. It's not. Um what's I mean, I can only imagine. Like if like if you think about oh, I mean, I can't think of any names off the top of my head. But I remember the story. I'm not good with I'm not good with proper nouns. I'm not gonna remember these oh, names. Dude, but right. I can remember stories, and I remember at least like two or three different writers that I learned about in high school that were poor all their life until they either a finally made it at the very towards the end of their life, like when they're in their sixties, or made it after they were dead. Now think about this, Hayden, and chew on this. Now let's say your podcast, you do this for another forty years, okay? You give up when you're 59 and then you live another 20 years and then you die. But then someone goes and finds all your podcasts after you're dead and they're like, wow, this is some good stuff. And you blow up, right? So think artists, is that worth this it? Is, well, this is why I got Vincent Van Gogh on the wall because he's not. Oh, this, this is, this is Vincent. So this is yeah. the classic Vincent photo. What's the class? That's the one with like the. Absolutely. It's, uh, I think it's cafe, cafe with pool table is what the painting's called. Vincent Van Gogh. I and think that's what I would call it too. Well, he, he was, he was, uh, <laughs> he was, dude, he was kind of like a psychopath. How so? Well, he sort of drove himself crazy over this obsession of painting and pursuing this life that was worthwhile. But he was hated by his, not hated, but very like looked down upon by his peers. Why was that? 
he, because he was like the the town weirdo because he would go and paint yeah. and no one would buy his paintings he would get rejected from art galleries wow. all the time and then i think long after he was dead so he drove himself crazy and he cut off his ear and there's actually a painting wow. of yes. vincent van gogh without yes. the ear yes and that's, that's why. the famous one i was yes. thinking of okay so, and who knows who knows if that was like a mental illness or it it was that mental illness that allowed him to see this beautiful art yeah it's yeah. bizarre super bizarre um and to you need you almost need something so okay so humans you know we learn a lot from feedback positive feedback and especially negative feedback right we are positive and negative feedback loops that's yes. kind of what we are and how well we're receptive of those yes 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 now Hayden, I, like, do you have like comments? Is there like a comment section to your podcast, right? On YouTube, yes, do you ever absolutely. get comments? Uh, I haven't yet. Okay, okay. So we're we're growing the YouTube. When we're, you we're on it. Yeah, we're hey, search it up, search it up. <laughs> you guys leave some comments. Yeah, All right? let's get a little interaction going. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So, you okay? So as your channel continues to grow, you're gonna get comments under these, and, and a lot of them are gonna be positive, super positive. But I mean, if you even look at like Joe Rogan's clips, there you know, there's comments saying like Joe, just stop talking, man. And you're gonna get you're gonna get stuff like that. You're gonna get negative comments, and you'll like the first few you get, you're just gonna spend all day thinking about like, God, you're gonna be like this. You're gonna go through the you know like denial and all you know until you finally work you all the way back to acceptance. And you're like, okay, maybe this guy either a does have a valid point or is just a troll. Yeah. But you're gonna think a long time about that, despite all these other positive comments, right? Yeah, you have to have thick skin to be in that sphere. Totally, totally. <sighs> but at the same time, be receptive. Yeah, because you have to sort of formulate your content toward your audience. I mean, some people are absolutely lethal in the YouTube comment section. Yes, yes, it's, it's brutal. Um, it's insane. We're like, this guy's like a professional writer, and he spent all day writing up this just. <laughs> What? just targets a guy it's insane what had me cracking up it was a rogan podcast from a few years ago yeah and uh it was it was him talking to what it looked like like two stoner teenagers and he was like dude elk meat will fucking fuck you up dude <laughs> <laughs> and he looked these he's like dude salmon are hustlers <laughs> I'm like that sounds like you, some Joe. Joe. That sounds like some classic Joe. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I walked in on Tommy Melvin the other day, and just watching like Joe Rogan high compilations, and one of my favorite ones is just him in the spacesuit, and then um, uh, the, the astronaut suit and the guy across from him. I forgot who it was, but he was wearing. Uh, oh, it's the guy that does I think the animations for Rick and Morty. I believe. Oh. Uh, Dan Harmon's one of the creators. I'm not sure. Oh, Dan. wait. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, where, where Joe's in the astronaut suit and the other guy's in like a oh ghillie suit, but they're yeah. having just like a normal conversation. Oh, I love that. So beauty. I love that. So beauty. <laughs> See, I want to do shit like that. Yeah. That'd be totally. so fun. Totally, man. I got to build like a wardrobe, dude. You know, we're totally. starting off from oh, scratch, yeah. but we're going to build like, I'm going to yeah. have like a Civil War uniform on. Oh, perfect. There yeah. you go. And you'll be wearing like an astronaut suit. Oh, I'd love that. That sounds amazing. Sometimes, you know, you got to get a little crazy, get a little wacko, get yeah. a little illogical. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got to have something that like throws you off your game a little bit yeah. to like let you come up with your best stuff. Yeah, yeah. 
give away give break insult. out of your comfort zone a little bit exactly man exactly and that's that's what college is all about yeah man oh yeah i think um what do you think about this idea the idea okay. of like a uh like a prolonged childhood um okay so as of recently as of yes. the past 50 years yes yes where like I mean, if you look at, like, back in the day, these, like, 15, 16-year-old sons were, like, really having to step up and, like, like father be goes off to war the and then they got to be the man of the house taking care of, like, the family and the farm sort of stuff. At least that's, you know, what the stories are told. Yeah. And nowadays, you know, I'm 20 years old. I so, you know, get drunk on the weekends and yep. sometimes procrastinate my homework <laughs> and, you know, do dumb stuff with the boys. Yeah. Um, but it's, what do I think about it? It's probably not very valuable. Mm. Um, but I don't know. In what ways do you think it could be? I don't know. I think, I think childhood serves as big of a purpose as adulthood does. Okay. Like I think childhood gives you a space where you can explore unrestrictedly. Right, right. And there's no, like, bounds around where you can't go to an extent. You know what I mean? And then adulthood, it's like you take less risks, I feel like. I don't know. Right. Right. you feel like your back's up against the wall a little bit more. Totally. And that's a very, very powerful thing. Um, but it's almost like, you know, in your childhood, you spend time. You just, like, your, your fluid IQ, I believe it's called, is, like, super high. Yeah. So you just spend time just learning, creating, destroying Mm-hmm. But then as you start to get older, you, f- you have to get to a point where you're like, all right, it's time to start, you know, being confident in what I know and employing this stuff rather than just constantly, you know, having an open mind. Yeah. You know what I mean, I mean, it's still valuable to have an open mind, but if you know what I'm saying, have a little bit more confidence in yourself. Definitely, man. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, no, dude, I'm with you. I think, um, yeah, I think, uh. I just lost my train of thought. Oh, it happens, man. It happens. It's all good. Yeah, um, I mean, there's a lot of pressure on you right now. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. no, it's all good. Uh, dude, I think you just mind fucked me a little bit, but that's all right. No, that's all right. I try, man. I try. <laughs> what do you, what, okay, so, well, tell me about Padre. Dude, Because yeah. I, this trip sounded like a blast, dude. I wish I could have been there. Okay, so it was kind of a weird experience, honestly. Right, like it's, because you and Blake... Well, me, So me, Blake, and Kyle all sort of like like uh, hopped up in this car and yep. drove 22 hours down to Texas. How was the trip? I love road trips. How was that one? Road trip was a lot of fun, and I feel like we all like... Uh, I don't know. We, in a weird way, we all got what we were looking for. You know what I mean? Like, okay, that's good. Like, I think we all went there with an intention, and we all succeeded in those. What intentions. was your intention? I think my intention was to expand my, uh, my. Uh, I don't know. Party culture is a weird thing. Totally. Totally. It's a weird thing, and the more time I spend in it, the weirder I think it is. Like weird ab- in what way? absolute rager culture. Like, yeah, yeah. To where it's like almost like a gross thing. I don't know, man. Yeah. And then that's like, 
I mean, Padres definitely going to push push the limits there. Yeah. And I think it's just an empty pit, dude. Yeah. So uh, I, I believe you told me about this as well, but Jordan Peterson, right? He didn't like partying because it was just like lost yeah. souls, dude. Just lost souls. And Absolutely. I think I see that a lot in people that, you know, they got to party every night. Yeah. They got to do something to get their fix, right? Where they just it's you an can't addiction. deal with it's being a thrill sober. Addiction. And you can't sit with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You can't allow yourself to be alone. You can't with your meditate. Own yeah. And, and uh, like, I knew people like that in high school. Totally. It's like, it's scary, man. Super scary, man. It's not be willing to, like, and this is probably all subconscious, but be alone with your thoughts. Yeah. Which is such, like, for me, is such a valuable thing. Like, just sometimes chilling at the end of a night, just, you know, taking 510, just thinking through the day, what you, what you did well, what you need to improve on, you know, lessons to be learned. And Something I'm realizing is the more anxious I get, the more I let my, I, I can't let myself do that. Does that make sense? So yes. the more, like... Because you really got to unveil what you've been yeah. messing up on lately. And it's it's scary to do that, though. Very much so. Very much so. It's because, you know, your instinct is to kick the can down the road. Yeah. Which I, you know, as we have this conversation, I have some of those cans that I'm kicking right now. And I just got to buckle up and deal with that stuff, right? Absolutely. But it's, I think the the longer, the longer life you is going to pass yep. you by. That, yeah. Yeah. Life is going to pass dude. you by, man. Life is quick, man. It's crazy. We are in like the final parts of our childhood. And I yeah. still don't know what the hell is going on, right? <laughs> But here we yeah. are, just taking it day by day. Oh, we're taking it day by day. Yeah. You know, COVID, government's crazy. Dude. We're in North Dakota right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a crazy life. It is. It's a crazy life. Dude, okay. Like, let me, if you told me this summer of 2019 that in one year from now, a little more than one year, you're going to be living in a fraternity you know, on your own in Fargo, North Dakota. Right. And you're going to be on a buddy's podcast. <laughs> I wouldn't have believed you, right? I thought you were a crazy person. Yeah. But yeah, here we are, dude. Life changes before your eyes. You evolve into the person you're meant to become. And it's this weird kind of like. Now, do you ever feel that where you're like, you wake up in the morning, you're like, wow, I feel like I'm actually growing towards the person that I want to be. No. Never. Never. <laughs> yeah. It's tough. Yeah, it's it's damn near impossible with all the right. pressure. Because what college is, it's this weird sort of like, we're, like we were talking about dorms earlier being like an experiment. It's an experiment. Like it's this weird sort of fake pressure society that they create. It is. It is. It is like fake pressure, right? But there's a sense of real. There's there's a sense of realness to it. But like you said, you know, if you. It's almost dangerous to think of it as fake pressure, though, because it's that's. A one-way ticket into like a nihilistic realm. Yes. Where it's just... Which is dangerous, dude. That's dangerous. I've spent time there before. Yep. It's it's a yep. path to nothing. It is. It, it really it, is. The faster you embrace that, the better off you're going to be. <laughs> I think that's why religion is so valuable. Really? 100%. 100%. Because it gives... So, like you said, that... Achieving that moment of, I feel like I'm improving. I feel like I'm becoming a better, you know, but quote, better person. 
it's so hard to achieve. Certainly, you want something concrete to believe in. Yep. And religion, you know, it's it's spiritual. It's it's mental. It's it's uh, well, arguably, arguably. But at the end of the day, it's almost like it's concrete. It's something you'd be like, all right, I'm putting um, my happiness in this, right? Yeah. So just uh, you know, I grew up a Christian. Um, you're like, okay. I put my hope in, you know, Jesus coming back. And it, until that happens, right? I mean, you can't ever say it's not going to happen. Right. Because there's no day, right? So you can always be looking forward to something. Yeah. So is that like a criticism of religion or is that something you're saying that they're doing well? I think people have the wrong idea about religion. Um, but I think it's a very valuable thing for both religion and society as a whole i think when i talked with you before you weren't a fan has something changed yeah well yeah I, yes 100 percent um i had i had i wasn't a fan of my experience uh both in churches and my christian high school that's what happened with a lot including myself to some degree it's what happened with a lot of people who i know we had yeah. this sort of like mega church yes yeah and a lot of kids would get filtered through this sort of like yep. hypocritical it's just a social of, group at that point yeah, for, at least with for no me it foundation. Was. Yeah, that's that you can see at least. Yeah, you know what I mean. I don't know. No, hundred percent, man, hundred yeah. percent. Um, and then I that that forced me to be put in a position where I had to question my beliefs, which is extremely valuable. And some actually, there's there's a teacher in my high school that really changed my perspective on stuff. He was he wasn't that type of Bible teacher where you walk in and they say, "All right, today we're going to learn about you know." Uh, the 12 loaves of bread and the five fish. Yeah. This guy, well, he would take the 12 loaves and the five fish and show you, poke holes in it, show you why it's wrong. And they'd be like, class is over, dismiss, see you tomorrow. Whoa. And he'd never address it. Whoa. It was super strange. I, I, I would, I'd be mad. I'm like, dude, why are you tearing up? I'd be just livid. Because he's tearing yeah. up my foundation, dude. Yeah. But over time, like, that was one of the most valuable things for me. It gave you, like, a sense of critical thinking? 100%. Yeah. 100%. And that's what's happening today with all of our... People can grasp reality under different roots than religion can explain sometimes with science. And then you can end up without... But without that religious sort of flavoring right you get you get into this nihilistic realm that's just like we're machines yep. we live and we die we yep. reproduce yeah we're it's, just another step in evolution yeah and if you think i feel like if you think like that it's over right 100 percent. it's over 100 percent. uh and i think especially there there's just a lack of a lack of a goal how, how could you be happy as a nihilist yeah what what do you believe in? What do you put? Because you know you what gotta you, you gotta put your faith in something. Whether you believe it, faith and faith is real. Yes, you know, hundred percent, one hundred percent. It could be a weird. That's what. That's why Christianity acts as a sort of weird metaphor. You know, it's this yes. weird sort of like. Uh, uh, it's this context of this world that you're living in, where kindness and truth and love. It's almost like a guidebook, like a guide to the crazy world you're living in. It's almost counterintuitive, though. Like, think about it. If, so. if we're animals and okay. we live and we die and we reproduce, we'd constantly be at war. We'd be tearing ourselves apart. But that little dose of love and compassion 
I feel like just keeps us all in one herd for a little bit longer. Right. Now, doesn't religion help that? I think it can because I it teaches it you to help upon... your neighbor and like like help right. out the stranger and be like the, you know, the um, the good Samaritan. Treat unto, uh, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And that's like... <laughs> and that's uh I don't know I don't know if I'm ever gonna be I feel like people use religion as just a tool to see under that light and if you believe that it's literally true the metaphor holds true as well so do you think religion so every religion has some sort of a beginning right some sort of a story for its beginning yeah now do you think some religions have been where it's someone very observant very curious looks at how like you said like the like the tribal nature of us works like we're we're you know we're, we're animals but you know we have a little bit of love and kindness they look at that they like and then reverse engineer a religion based upon those if that makes sense that does make sense because Christianity, if whether you're Christian or not, if you follow the rules of Christianity, yeah, you're you're gonna be a respected person, yeah, and arguably happier. Although I, I don't know if that can be proven. I mean, ignorance is bliss to a certain degree. That is true. Until it isn't anymore. Because but it's not like uh, it's not an uh, a true happiness. If you know what I mean, it's not a satisfying happiness. Yeah. Yeah. Because at least for me, if I'm being ignorant of something, I know it in the back of my mind. And it bothers me. And, and that's why you sort of pick away at that idea. Because I feel like uncovering those things, those insecurities or those fake walls you put up in your mind, if you, the more you allow to happen, the more you're going to become just a complex of yourself. Yes. And you just lose control over the one piloting the ship. You have to be truthful with what you're experiencing and how you're feeling it. One of the hardest things is to be truthful with yourself. Yeah. It's very difficult because you're constantly want to, like, at least for me, it's, um, I think this came be from, like, being with siblings, you know, like, fighting and bickering. You have to be able to stand up for yourself, right? <laughs> well, it's it's constant. If, you're, if yeah. you're with siblings and your parents weren't, like, super directly involved... You kind of have to figure it out yeah. for yourself. To totally. A <laughs> no, totally, yeah, man. I, I'm sure you experienced too because you got yeah. an older brother and a younger, younger sister? Younger brother, older sister. Oh, younger brother, older sister. Gotcha. Yeah. But it's always very competitive in a, very. In a, good, in a way that I like. like. Yeah. Like me and my little brother, we play uh, pickup basketball whenever I come home. Nice. And it's sort of like the... It's almost like just a meditate, like a bonding between you two. Right. And it's always this super, it gets super competitive. Yeah. Like he usually wins, but the times I win, we always brag about it to our parents. It's just this very like, right. it's a show. Because it means something. It means yeah, something, yeah, right? Because yeah. if you look at, like, think about it like this. Like if you're, if you're, you know, a son, you have a father and you wrestle your father, you know, let's say every week, just constantly, right? And you do it like you lose at age five, you lose at age seven, you lose at age. But then when you hit like age 16, mm. you finally beat your dad. What does that mean now? That means physically that's it's it's a passing of the torch. I feel like totally, a lot of totally is that physical prowess. Yes. You know, that that willingness to be the like the the strongest, the protector. 
you know, and wearing the pants in the house. That's right. But I think if you have a dad who's like, you know, if you're 25 and your dad's 50, right, you're gonna have the upper hand totally. physically. But there's still this sort of like command, old man strength. Let me old, tell you about dude, old man strength. It's real. <laughs> it's real, dude. <laughs> no, it's but crazy. yeah, yeah, you're exactly right, man. Yeah. Plus the experience. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, dude, I got the uh, I got the poem. Oh, the poem. We got yeah, a little, yeah. got a little sidetrack there. Let's, <laughs> we did get a little sidetrack. Let's pull that poem back up. All right, we got the poem. Henry David Thoreau, the pond. All right, you ready for this? I'm ready. I went to the woods because I wished to live deliberately, to front only the essential facts of life, and to see if I could not learn what it had to teach. And not when I came to die, discover that I had not lived. I did not wish to live what was not life. Living is so dear. Nor did I wish to practice resignation unless it was quite necessary. I wanted to live deep and suck all the marrow of life. To live so sturdily and Spartan-like as to put to root all that was not life. To cut a broad swath and shave close. To drive life into a corner and reduce it to its lowest terms. And if it proved to be mean, why then to get the whole and genuine meanness from it and publish its meanness to the world? Or if it were sublime to know it by experience and to be able to give a true account of it in my next excursion. Henry David Thoreau. It's sort of how he goes to like this pond and he seeks this like solace from it. Yeah, like the oasis you were talking about before. Yeah, and it's just this allowing yourself to be in that meditative state. Just no distractions. Yeah. You're away from the city. You're away from that that rat race that we're all a part of. Right, right. This might, I don't know if this sounds naive, but I think this kind of comes back to that simple man lifestyle. Yep. You get that satisfaction from just the little stuff. Mm-hmm. That's a crazy poem. I like that. I, yeah. There are some parts I really know what they. What, what, the resi- I don't practice resignation unless I need to. Yeah, I think it's just. I think that part. Nor did I wish to practice resignation unless, unless it was quite necessary. I think that part was like. Uh, he didn't want to give up his. His sense of truth. He didn't want to resign to that fact in his mind that was just eating him away. You know what I mean? Like that that were all this evolutionary, uh, I don't know, just... Yeah, kind of back to the nihilistic thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and to find that higher sense of truth, you have to seek, you have to seek um, deliberate action. Right. That's how I'm... Uh, reading it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, that's... Sounds about right. I that's a who who is this Henry David Thoreau guy? He's like a I think he lived in Boston. In Boston. In like the eight in eighteen fifty four. I feel like Boston in eighteen fifty four would be a crazy place to grow up. Because it it's like the first modern city in America. Yeah. It's like yeah, it's this There's big a, hub of ideas. Just newspapers everywhere. Yeah, getting th- getting news out, reporting tyranny. Just this fucking. That's your newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh. Yeah, yay. 
Get your newspaper. <laughs> Dango's for sale. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, shoot. Um, but, like, that would just be... There's a lot of culture in Boston. And I'd love yeah, to go old. just check out the East Coast sometime. Because that whole area is, like, that's pretty dang cool. The furthest I've ever gone east was to Washington, D.C., and it was at this yep. like yep. on this baseball tournament because I did, I played travel baseball when I was in high school, early high school. Nice. And um, we went out there and we like saw the monuments, got a feel for the city. And it's this like, it feels like the cap. It kind of feels like the capital of the Hunger Games. It's just like this very yeah. urban paradise. Poverty felt very low in the in the area that we were in. Right. You know, you could ride bikes at one in the morning to like the Washington Monument. Yep. Just this very patrolled, very regulated city. Totally. Totally. It's paradise. It's it's interesting. Do you almost feel like you don't belong? Yeah. <laughs> That's oh, yeah, how I felt time. too. Big time. I remember going to Chicago when I was a kid cuz we were like suburbs, you know. I love Chicago. It's big, bro. It's huge. That's a big city. I've I've only been there once, but the time I went, I I loved it. Yeah. The uh The Bean of course, of course, the bean, bro. Had to see the bean. Had to touch the it bean. It makes it. Yes, sir. Nice. Oh, of course. Of course, it's a staple. Staple in the Windy City. <laughs> That's right. But the people, man, like, uh, I was trying to direct some of my buddies to a parking garage, and, like, some homeless guy's like, what are you, what are you trying to find? I'm like, oh, I'll try to find, like, the, the parking garage. And then he just, ex- he, he just, like, takes my phone from me and then just explains it to my buddies and, like, gives my phone back. Really? Yeah. So you had, like, a good experience with a homeless dude i think it was i think it was homeless it was just some random guy though yeah yeah one like, time i got i got this guy in chicago late at night yeah we were late at night we were catching a train back this was before i could drive yeah you know this is i was like a young kid yeah yeah and i'm walking through chicago and this guy's tapping on my shoulder and yep. he's like i need you to go into this bank and like under your name but under my name because they won't let me do it i need you to like file this bank uh like bank form for me oh. and i was like He's like, I need, I can't pay for my housing. I can't pay for my stuff unless you go in there yeah. and do this for me. Yeah. I was like, I'm 15, sir. I, I don't want any part of this. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. freaked me out. Yeah. Think about that. That guy's only hope is a 15-year-old kid. Not a great place to be in. Not a great place to be in. That's crazy, man. You got to be, I think to, to thrive in Chicago, you have to be uh assertive but also very like alert yeah it's an urban yeah oh totally it's totally so much stimulation constantly but it's also this you know in some places there's poverty traps everywhere yeah there's you know it's so crowded yeah man um but like the there's a beauty to be like like the big city stuff like there's a beauty to it for sure it's weird, man. It's, it's, um, I don't know. It's just this like perfectly regulated society. Look at that. Bingo. Look at that, man. Nice. You'd love to see it. Yes, sir. So, uh, what do you mean by that? Like the bigger cities are? Uh, like Chicago, for example. Yeah, I just, I don't know. It just strikes you. You know, you're, if you if you take like transport down Michigan Avenue, where you just late at night you're looking yeah. at all the lights, 
crazy, dude. So much momentum behind this. You feel this surge, all these, yes. all these lives, all this commotion. You feel Just this energy so like uh, small, but almost in a good way. If you know what yeah. I mean? Like you're just a kid in a big city. Yep. It's, almost, it's almost like poetic. It's crazy. Yeah. It's like you're reaching this final destination. It's just like, wow. Yeah. Like everything's it's been leading up back. to this. Yeah. Think about how many souls have fed that city. How many lives. That's have... a crazy way to phrase that. <laughs> but it's it's spot on. Yeah. I can't even imagine, dude. It's... I don't know if it comes back to that 80-20 thing, but... A lot of souls have probably fed, you know, a city like Chicago or Minneapolis or New York, but a lot of people have also made it out of there and, you know, made a killing. Yeah. But like you said, even I guess even those people that make a killing, their souls still get fed to the city. Yeah, man. I think, I don't know, we all die, you know. Totally. And I don't know, there's this, the, I feel like legacy exists, you know, like. And Yeah. Now, how much do you value legacy i think i i think it's one of the most important i, I don't know man i don't, that's a good question it's the ability to i don't know like almost postpone your life so that you leave a good story behind if you know if, if that makes sense it's an imprint in the form of a story but what is a story you know like how long is a story going to be remembered and enacted out depends on the story yeah that's true Better live a pretty good story. Amen. Amen to that, brother. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Yeah, it's... Yeah, there's something, like, uh, very, like, fulfilling, I think, in thinking about, like, what you're doing and whether it's, you know, what you, sh what you should be doing or what shouldn't you be doing. But like at the end of the day, if you think what, what you're doing is going to lead to you leaving a legacy that's worth remembering, a story that's worth being told, I mean, I think that kind of answers that question for you. Yeah, I think absolutely. A, a legacy in a good way, if you know what I mean, where you remember yeah. with like respect. Positively. Yes, positively, because <laughs> you Cause... can leave not so good legacies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not so good. Yeah, but at the same time, I think you have to balance that because you have to enjoy the moment. Yeah, it's you have to be able to detach yourself from this character that you're playing. Yeah, totally, you know? totally. Yeah, I think because uh, when you're, I don't know, man, success is a weird thing. It's is it like uh, it's like taking away like what you want to be and just being who you are right then. Yeah. But then as soon as, you know, you got to start thinking about the future again, you put up who you want to be. Yeah. If that makes sense. But, like, not necessarily who you want to be in a fake way, but what you're striving towards to be. Absolutely. It's like dressing for the What's job the you want. What's the end goal? What yeah, is the right, end? right. What is the end goal? You have to be, you have to be making strides Dude, toward I those career paths. Do you think yes. it'll open up some, some information? What do you mean? I think the corporate world's an interesting place. The corporate world, man, does not like, like when I, like when you think corporate America, does that appeal to you? No. Me neither. Me it neither. But I think there's value to be had in it if you can man totally not manipulate. Well, manipulate, but manipulate it. But, it yeah. Yeah. But not in a negative way. It's, right. it's sort of, you got to play the game. 
you got to play the game to get the treasure at the end of the yeah the rainbow or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. No, you, that's right that's right yeah, yeah you're exactly right i watched this interview with an ex uh he used to work with mark zuckerberg so he's an ex uh like facebook ceo or something or cfo something like that high up guy but he all he recommended was listen like y'all are gonna have goals and plans and ways you want to make your imprint on society and the world and people around you nowadays if you want to do that you got to get the money mm. which people you know they have these grand plans but if you don't have the money or the influence or the connections it's just not going to happen and that's where it forces you to play the game absolutely you have to be able to sort of make these ties out of nowhere because unless you're the inheritance of some grand family fortune right you're gonna have to play the game and sort of figure out a way where you can facilitate that yeah in your favor a little bit now yeah now do you how do you feel about the game i don't know i think are you looking forward to playing the game it's getting weird how so i think in some in some industries in some places it's getting weird (laughs) that's all i'll say (laughs) that's all you'll say that's all i'll say (laughs) which industries um, you know, just the general ones. The general ones, okay. You know, your entertainment. You know, your, yeah, yeah, it is. Your, your. Uh, the entertainment one's especially weird right now. Yeah, it is. Because people like people like you, where you, know, you <laughs> can spend a few hundred bucks on some mics and some gear. And I'm and just, a, can, I'm just a dude. You're just a dude doing it on his I'm own. I'm just a dude. Yeah. So the power's in our hands. You just got to go out and grab it. Yes, and it's never been like this. It's never been like this. Yeah, yeah. You can't. Are, no, you're exactly right. I don't know. I just hope to live out this. Uh, this, I don't know. Just like a grand story, and I don't want to. I don't want to throw that out there, being because I think that's very hard to arrive to. But if I can live my life in a way that's interesting, the podcast will make itself. So if I yes. just continue to sort of ah, uh, so it's like almost like um, comedians getting material. Right. Like it has to come from somewhere. So they have to experience life. They have to go out and explore and, and sort of clash their ideas with ideas of other people and sort of make a story out of it. That's That's like a a very like positive, productive cycle. I feel like. Yeah. (laughs) The podcast, talk about what you did. You want more, like talk about more stuff. You go out like, that's crazy, man. I think for you, I think some people become and maybe it's at an age, maybe it's just a thing that happens to everybody, they become disinterested with society. They become not malevolent, but sort of this, just this like Walter White type of of character that they play out, where it's just they're they're in this pathetic feedback loop, basically. Yep. Yep, totally. It's just this, and they don't have the means to break from it and no one will interact with them to help them. And I, that you're exactly right. And I think that's why Jordan Peterson speaks to so many young males today. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of young men get caught up in that. Absolutely. It's a hard place to get out of. Yeah. It's an easy place to get into. It's a very easy place to get into. That's what gangs are. Totally. That's what, it's a wasteland. It's a wasteland. Yeah. You yeah. can't, you can't, uh, you know, there's, there's camaraderie, which is good. Totally. You know, that sort of bonding that you have between other guys. But once it gets like, it gets so regimented and so lethal and so 
hate filled. Yeah. Yeah. You get uh it's just it's sad. It's it's sad. it's very it's almost like dangerous to be, you know, a a young man without any purpose. Yeah. Uh, you you're you're gonna spend your energy in a not so not so well, that's good what, place. That's what happened with my football team. So, what happened? So a lot of the athletes on the team that was like, and we were a fucking good team. Yeah, like we were yeah. f- the fucking best in Central Illinois. Yeah. But all of our athletes, they would come from like, just like some tough situations. I bet, dude. And it would it would be this like. Uh, Could you tell the guys? Who yeah, the guys the, were those were our leaders. That's wow, that's very interesting. That's the thing. Good they for had, those boys. It, when you're when you're put in a situation like that, you just develop this. Some some people, given the right mentorship, and you you know how to harden your shell, and it's so lethal, and it's so commanding and influent. Like you're just this influential figure at that point. But if you can command that spirit, that's very like fire like and out of control. And if you can direct it like a laser toward what you want to change or what you want to do. Powerful. <sighs> Powerful. It's that, it's that balance. You know, you have to balance the, the lethality of it and the, uh, you know, the, the generous side. You want to have compassion and sort of be like a right. spirit of the father. Right. Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's crazy, dude. So how is it, do you think, that these guys that come from tough situations. So is it like these guys come from tough situations and they had to, uh, because they came out of it, that made them, gave them such an edge over everyone else? Um, hmm. I think, I think, yeah. I think they, they see the horrors of life up close. Right, right. Yeah, my buddy was telling me about Brazilian gangs the other day. Whoa. That stuff goes kind of hard. What's that like? It's just violence, dude. Just pure violence. It's in, in like, a, just like a super scary way. And that's just not Brazilian gangs. I mean, that could be anywhere. Yeah. Is it... Um <laughs> <laughs> Is it... Uh... <laughs> is it um uh like like how is it violent how is it uh it's it's violent in a way that's like without purpose in a malevolent way right mm. no violence it can be justified with the right reasons right yeah but you have to have a damn good reason to commit a violent act that's very true that's very true but there's, I mean, the violence that my buddy was telling me about, I mean, oh, it's just like, just like, just, it's just bad stuff. Yeah. It's just bad stuff, but it's just without reason, right? Mm-hmm. Or it's the reason is, you know, um, to almost like prove yourself, like I'm more of a man. I can do crazier stuff than you. Yeah. I mean, that power struggle is always going to be real. Totally. Totally. That's never going to go away. That's... It's built into us, you know. That's why. Who are you gonna hire? A strong police officer or a weak police officer? It's like I want the strong one. That's right. I want the Unless one. I'm that... running from. I want the weak one. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah, man. So, tell me, Hayden. 
Yes. What? So quarantine, at least for me, first few weeks, like I was on my own quite a bit, right? Because you know some people just can't hang out. Uh, I don't want to like risk my mom or anything or getting it. We didn't know much about it, so I stay in quite a bit. I love a lot of time to myself. Were you the same way? Um, yeah, I, I actually, I think I kind of seek that out a little bit. Right, it's valuable. I saw it as an opportunity to sort of spend time with myself. So what did you do mostly? It's difficult though. It is. I feel like I get depressed pretty easily when yeah. I spend too much time with time with myself. Right, right. It's it's difficult, but it's important. It's the most important. Yeah, yeah. It's, you have to have that balance of going out and exploring, but also seriously sitting with yourself and formulating like yeah authentic ideas but you got to work through that yeah the i and i think part of that might come from i mean if you're just a young guy lots of energy and you're just cooped up and you can't you know like back to the thing where you know a young guy without a purpose it's a dangerous thing you can kind of slide into that a little bit and lose sight of of what you're what you're grinding towards yeah you have to have an end goal I, I think one of my biggest fears is just being this sort of cog in the machine. Yeah, dude. Just doing my purpose. I don't know, man. And the more involved I get with engineering, the more I'm realizing that that could be a possibility if I let it consume me. You know, yeah. so I always have to preserve that part of myself. And you probably feel this way. Totally. You know, as you totally. a career path. It's like, and the thing is, like, the pressure is so high right now because at least for me, I feel like I'm in a position where I have to choose. It's always one or the other, right? I become a cog in the machine or I risk it all and possibly become nothing, you know? Or, you know, there's a slight chance of pursuing what actually, like, really interests me, right? Yeah. So it's, it almost feels like a one or the other type deal. And now we're at a point in our lives where you have to make this decision or at least, you know, find some sort of a compromise, but you have to arrive to a solution, you can't just kick the can down the road anymore. Yeah. I think it's, I think the part of myself that wants to procrastinate and wants to kick back, yeah. I think that's the part of myself that is seeking out like a, uh, like I want to be like an all around, like skills, some skill in each area because it's the safest option. But what college does is it forces you to specialize in an area. If exactly. you're in a trade skill, especially. Like, exactly. Yes. And you have to, in order to do that, you have to sort of forget about some of these other skills that have served you in the past, yep. but no longer serve you. And that process can be painful. Exactly. And that's exactly what, you know, being a cog in the machine is, mm. is you're specialized for one task. And that's exactly what corporate America wants is someone who's really good at one thing that has a, you know, some sort of informational divide that can that he has an edge over people and you want this guy in your team. Right. Now these like people like, I think like you where you can almost adapt to any situation and your, your interest and curiosity in a lot of things is very valuable, but in a way in our society almost can hinder you a little bit. Yeah. Because you jump from one thing to the other. Yeah. I think it's just, I get bored easily. Right. Right. And exactly. I think, I think it serves, I think it serves a purpose and there's a reason I'm like that and there's a reason I choose to be like that. But at the same time, it's, it is hindering me in some ways, you know, I think 
I was always this person with academics in high school. I didn't take it seriously. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I got a 26 on my, 24 on my first ACT. 24. That, I mean, that's still not a bad score at all. I think, yeah. You're just being nice to me, dude. No, I'm not, man. I'm not. 24 is well above average. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had all these, like, Indian competitive friends. Right. Tough. Right. Well, that tough would put society. the pressure on. That put the pressure it's on. It's kind of weird, man. I kind of walked this, like... Weird life in high school. Yeah. How? Okay. So elaborate on that do, for me. Because I was a part of the football team, you yeah. know, for a while, and then I sort of worked my way into that society and gained some respect. Yep. Yep. And then I was when I was young, I was like very like um, apprehensive toward other people and very um, careful about yes. engaging with other people. But then I. I broke out in like middle school and wanted to be like a class clown type of. Yep. Because yep. it gave me attention. It gave me what I yep. wanted. You know. Yep. Totally. totally. And then in high school, I I took on this other personality where I wanted to expand in all these areas. So I would, I would take. But I was always. This is the thing. I was always middle of the pack in all those areas. <laughs> right. So it didn't really. No, no, I hear you. But I like I you. was in you know, AP English classes yeah. and I played varsity football and I take, and I took calculus in high school. I think dude, in, in my opinion is when you're in these developmental years, like in high school, you want to be in a position where you're not at the top because, uh, in some cases, because then it means you are pushing yourself to do something new, something not necessarily good at, but you're willing to improve at it. Right. Yeah. Where if you're in a certain category and you're sitting at the top, and you're still within only that small geographical area of people, it's going to hit you like a truck when you get older, when you realize that you're not the top dog in that area. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Especially now with everything globalized. Yeah. I think the the performance testing that we do is getting more and more accurate. Yeah. It's harder for people to kind of slip through the system a little bit. Yep. You know what yep. I mean? Yep. Totally, man. It is. It is. I don't know. That's what I'm afraid of. Because <laughs> I feel like... Uh, You're going to get exposed. I'm going to get exposed. <laughs> I feel you, man. I feel you, bro. Oh, man. I think I offer certain skills, but I don't think they are, you know... It's not exactly... I it's offer a cross-section of engineering and like a yeah. business. At, I don't know. Dude, okay. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna say this, and I'm going to... I'll keep you updated with this situation. It might pique your interest. Oh. So, I'm computer science. Very interested in computers, mm. um, but I suck at coding. It, I have to like when I want to actually do an assignment with no I cheating. Hate that, dude. I hate that. It takes me a long, long time. Coding is one of those weird industries too, where you just could get like assigned work and then do it. You know, it's not really. It's not like a traditional job. No, it's, it's sort of like it's, it's a lot of freedom. You can it's a be a lot of freedom. You can be as long as you're efficient. Exactly. Exactly. As long as you get your work done. So you know you can be at your home on your couch eating Cheetos, yep. and you can get all your lot of work done in like forty five minutes, and you're bowling. It's weird how that guy can be lethal in that space, though. Very lethal. Very lethal. Like <laughs> I think you'd be hard pressed to argue like those who can manipulate computers and code nowadays are the most the most lethal right do you think for you did this like uh is this what sort of sparked your industry or your interest with this 
area is this lethality aspect of the internet age and social media and being able to move around in that space i think subconsciously maybe a little bit yeah um just that that is like desire to have an edge uh but honestly like most of it just does come from just a genuine interest in this sort of stuff and how it all works it does amaze me right because if you take your cell phone and show it to a guy a hundred years ago he's gonna think you're a wizard right yeah and it's it's crazy we have that and it's been advancing so quickly right we're like we're on the edge of ai and quantum computing and like I can't even wrap my hand, hand my head around this sort of stuff, but it's 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 right there, and it's gonna change life as we know it. Yeah, it will be insane. How do you feel about AI? How do you feel? Do you think it's you know El- people like Elon Musk warn us about the potential yeah. threats? Yep, it's do scary. You that's, do you think that's a, a future that we could arrive to eventually? Oh, I think that possibility will will always exist um i I, i'm not sure i mean it's it kind of just seems like the logical end right yeah where i mean us like people like based on like you know like the science out there i guess like the common science that's generally accepted is like humans are kind of a problem for the earth yeah do you are you on that boat am i on that boat in some ways i am and then in some ways I need more convincing. What are the areas that you need more convincing? More convincing? Let me think. Do you I, think it like it doesn't uh I don't know, what were you gonna say? Well, I was gonna talk about um like our like destroying trees and like cutting down forests and whatnot carbon emissions uh, i guess carbon emissions and uh i don't know about that i haven't done enough research there but i guess just like like uh i believe in california logging was banned mm. so i, I fact check me on that uh, i'm not 100 on that yeah. but i'm pretty sure on that um logging was banned right um because like you know save the forest and whatnot but you know First of all, like these are renewable resources that can be reused, right? Yeah. It's in the name. Um, and then also that's why forest fires have been going so crazy because now you got all these old decaying trees that aren't being cleared out. And that's just, that's just, you know, that's, that's fuel for the fire right there, baby. That's how they start. Yeah. So I think I think I, I so I think this is what my bottom line is. Now there that has to be some this. human intervention. Exactly, you like, have to be able to manipulate your environment. That's what has given us an edge. Exactly, that's why we're on top. We shouldn't be scared to do that. Absolutely, we shouldn't be scared to do that. But at the same time, you know, like companies dumping stuff in the river, like that's sad, right? We cut corners sometimes. Corporations, yes. when they're not being held ac- accountable to get an extra edge in competition, they cut corners. Yes, that's bad for the the playing field 100 percent, because it affects others all of a sudden right um but yeah um what do you think about that sort of stuff i'm curious because there's so much <sighs> information out there that i'm constantly bombarded with with this sort of stuff it's hard for me to sift through it i think i i'm not sure if i need to research the actual because i don't understand complex chemistry 
Me you know neither. I mean? And how carbon emissions come about. See, they're, I think they're CFCs, chlorofluorocarbons. Okay. Tell and me I about these CFCs. This is what I know from my high school education. Yep. Oh, you're digging way back in the memory banks. Yeah. So <laughs> there's CFCs, which are chlorofluorocarbons, and they're made by when there's an extra carbon in the atmosphere that's burned by like coal, for example. Okay. It changes the chemical property of that solid coal into a gas. Okay. And so it sort of breaks off into this new thing, which is just C, I think. Okay. Or, or there's, I know, like, like there's carbon monoxide, which will yep. kill you, and that's car exhaust. And then yep. there's carbon dioxide, which you just breathe. Yep. Yep. And then I think there's a third one that's oh, bad. Oh, really? Or maybe that's O3. I don't know. It's something like that. Okay. Okay. And then it gets up in there. Yep. And it's then not it, so good. And then it reflects it more or something. Yeah. Yes. That's what I gather. Gotcha. And it's... So for me, it's tough to um, believe one way or another on a lot of this stuff because I'm not a scientist that understands and I haven't really put the time in to research it. Yeah. Um, But it seems like everyone that tells me something about it has some sort of agenda. Right or whatever Absolutely. source it comes from has some sort of agenda they're trying to push on me. Yep. When I just want the raw facts. Yeah. Or what we've researched so far. Definitely. And it's hard to get to those raw facts because science is constantly being manipulated. Totally. Because corporations hire scientists to arrive to certain conclusions. Yes. Yes. So if those scientists are corporately funded, they're they're in the private sector. There's competition going on there. Yes. Yes. And then. Uh, Jordan Peterson talked about this, but these scientists that spend years and years and years on one hypothesis, yep. you know, one thing they're trying to prove, and if they prove this, it will change their career for the better, right? Mm-hmm. So they set up, and it's, it's way too risky to be able to test this hypothesis for many years and have it not come to fruition, right? Yeah. So they set up these tests or, or tweak the numbers or do what they got to do to tilt the odds in their favor. So that the whole time wasn't a waste, which, I mean, it makes sense, but that's not what real science is about. But then all of a sudden we just, we People get, aren't scientifically literate. Yes. Yes. People it's hard to understand. Be. It's, it's hard to be. Because some of it's counterintuitive and it's hard to get a good education. Right. That's just a fact. Right. Like, no, to- no, totally, dude. It's hard to understand what numbers mean. Like that's a very weird abstraction and how we overlay it onto our reality. I yeah. bet some of the people in America that just does not register. No, it doesn't. Dude, it's kind of funny. Just like, uh, like it's just as far as like math and numbers go. Like my, uh, my old boss over the summer did landscaping. Super common sense guy. Like he could jerry-rig just about anything. But when it came to math, it was insane. He, he would have me do like just simple calculations for him. He'd be like, uh, like what's, this is, this is 10 by 60. Uh, how many square feet is that? I'm like, oh, you just 10 times 60, 600. He's like, nah, I think it's like 800. And he'd be for real. Whoa. Just like bad at math, <laughs> just straight up. Yeah. And it was just bit like, and that's maybe, and, and he told me that he always hated school. Yeah. Because he never did well in it. Right. But this guy is a smart guy. He's down and to earth he and he's did, successful. He's a successful he's, landscaper. Yeah, and you could probably be like a mechanic if you wanted to as well. Well, he did go to HVAC school. Really? But the thing I've was... I've heard about that. So what is that exactly? 
so HVAC is heating, venting, air conditioning, something something along those lines. And they're making a killing right now. Now these all these trades, right? Plumbing, electrician, HVAC. That sort of stuff. That was all boomer jobs, right? And then our generation millennials came along. And this is the tech boom. And we all go into the tech industry, right? Yep. Or the business side of things. And these trades fall on the sideline. Like the demand for this sort of stuff right now is crazy. My buddy is cousins with the owners of the Timberwolves. Whoa. Crazy. So this, so it, it, the, the kid he's cousin was his grandparents on it, right? Yeah. So the... The kid just comes and hangs out with us. We're in the we're in the middle of a field in New Prague, just just drinking and hooting and hollering and having a good time, That's right. right? That's um, cool. dude, we didn't have that in Illinois. Really? That's the thing. It was all in houses. That's something I'm uh, jealous of. You and Blake tell me these stories of these Minnesota like yeah. Yeah. these parties that just get there's there's just this like fever too. It's outdoors. Totally. Totally. You feel like I don't know, you feel more a part of like uh like the cycle, like the evolutionary cycle. Yeah. You, you kind of just feel like an animal out there. I don't know, but like in a good way. You yeah, know? absolutely. Super like try. You look up at the full moon. Oh, yeah, dude. My trips up to the Whoa. boundary water is so fun, dude. Yeah. I mean, you, you you take a fly out or you take the tarp off the tent, you just lay on your back and like the stars are just unbelievable. Mm. Um, But like this, so this buddy, right? He comes out, uh, just hangs out with us. And he's got like, he's got cat on Snapchat. He helps the Timberwolves with their stretches, right? So this kid could potentially like like be set for life. Yeah. And he's going to school to become an electrician. And that amazed me. Why is he doing that? I didn't really ask him, but I think part of it is there's great money. It's practical. It's and underrated. I think and it teaches you real life skills. It's savvy. It's a savvy move of him, right? Yeah. And I think he also probably has a sense of wanting to make it on his own, which Absolutely. I could definitely understand that. And, from, and if he does heating, air conditioning, and cooling with these really rich people that he has connections with, he'll be at the top of the line in his industry. Yep. And he'll be making a ton of money doing it. Yep. Think about people who work on those nice houses. You know, yeah. Totally, dude. Totally. You got a You're getting staff. good money. Because yeah. no one, I mean... There's such an informational divide there, right? And Have you seen uh, Parasite? Yes. That movie is crazy, dude. What a ride. It's, it's crazy because you're looking at this society that's across the world. Yeah. But it's so familiar. And it's like, yeah, why is that? And, and they use this symbolism that's very like visceral and like in your face. And they have yeah. these moments that are like uh, out of... Uh, like an anime show because it's just yes. so cartoonish and so like yes it's it's an inch it's like, like the our our equivalent to like a cowboy movie it's yeah like, like a spaghetti western or something yeah. yeah but it has this nuance to it that's like technologically like i don't know it's a it's, beautiful movie i i need to like so i watched the movie and like a movie like this i think it's it's valuable definitely like go and read about it afterwards because it's obvious like you know the director had definitely had some stuff he wanted to convey through the movie and that's probably why it was so powerful yeah. i think it resonated with a lot of people yeah you know feeling like you can't you can't 
you're stuck in where you're at. No matter what you do and what moves you make, you're still stuck in your position. That's kind of what I got from it. And the minute you sort of wiggle free from that that bond that you're in from birth, yeah. and you and you come up with like unethical but like conniving ways yeah. to sort of get to the top, right? It's intoxicating. Remember that scene with the uh, alcohol, and they're and they're drunk on the couch in the oh. living room, and that's what sets off this chain of events. Yep, they're just drunk on that power. Yep. Hundred percent. They, they kicked got, out the yep. the uh, housekeeper. Dude, the housekeeper, man. That like that. As soon as like the housekeeper started getting more involved, and like you know, not to spoil spoiler alert, but like she go, they go down. They like see the basement. Yep. Where her husband was, and he is just like, uh, I mean, he was just a shell of a man. Shell of a man, but like she still loved him and cared for him. Yeah. What does that mean? Whoa. I don't know, man. But like it was it like depressing seeing this guy, dude. When he's, he's like banging he's his head against the like, he's, totally. He's possessed. Yeah. He's possessed. Yeah. Dude, it, he's, like for some reason he worships this guy that owns the house. But like the house is also keeping him imprisoned. Ooh. It's almost like a Stockholm syndrome type dealio. And your God is your captive. Yes. Abusing you and treating you like shit. Yep. Doesn't even know you exist. Yeah. Yeah. That's terrifying. Super terrifying. That's real, man. That's real in America. That's real in... Where did did that movie come from? Is that... Korea, South Korea, maybe? That sounds right. That'd be my guess. Yeah. I feel like they're the most with it. With like... uh, Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. American culture and yep. how it kind of Japan too, but less less is uh, my uh, one of the, one of the, my best buddies in the frat uh, grew up in South Korea. Whoa! And he's, he's just like he's just like a like a normal white dude, but he grew up in South Korea, and he said it was just like. Does he talk about it? A little bit, a little bit. I was asking him about it. Would and, he come on? Dude, I think this guy would have some stories, man. This man would have some stories. His name is Matt. We call him Matty Ice. That intrigues me. And what's what amazed me about this guy is like last semester when I met him, right? He just seemed like a quiet dude, just mind his own business. You know, was nice enough when you talked to him, but that was that. This semester, dude, I don't know what clicked over summer, man, or if I changed <laughs> or something, but this guy is just... He's an absolute, he's just one of the greatest guys. He's a goon, really? but he's super nice. He's he's intelligent. Uh, he knows how to skateboard. He's, a, he's nice. a good boarder in the house, but yeah, just super cool dude. You'd fuck with him. Nice, dude. Yeah. He's from South Korea. Does he speak like, like what's his native language? So, okay, so I think I'm I, I'm trying to remember exactly what he said, but I think he was born in America and then his, he had to move to South Korea for his dad's job. And this was during his, like, growing up years, like, pretty young. I'm not Whoa. sure exactly how old, but I think, like, I want to say, like, elementary and middle school. Um, and he said he was, like, uh, he was, like, just being, a, like, a white guy in that culture, like an American, like a Caucasian. Mm-hmm. He was kind of like an icon. Like, he'd get people coming up to him all the time, just asking to take pictures with him. Whoa. Which is weird because from America... It's a melting pot, right? Yeah. We have all sorts of ethnicity. And, like, our, one of our main things is, like, to not really use that to identify yourself. Yep. You know, you're more than just that. But then you go to a place like South Korea, and I guess they don't see many Caucasians over there. Exactly. My One of my buddies who I had on, he um, 
visits India because he has family in India, and nice. he's like a genius. Like he goes yeah. to Purdue. Wow. He was like, he was like, is this Raj? This is a Darsh. The Darsh. A Darsh episode two. Wow. I think. Way Check back. It out. OG. Yeah, that's right. But he he talks about how uh, he had um, uh, like. Uh, he would go back to India, yeah, and he, there would be like a servant class, and everybody in the servant yes, class had darker system. skin. That's that was the distinguishing factor. Really, is this still had, exist? Yeah, wow, to this day, dude. That's I'm crazy. not sure which part of India it is, but they, you know, they, um, they have like, uh, like, um, these servants that that. Uh, now, what does he think about the caste system? He thinks it's I think bad. It's he thinks it's bad. Right. He sees and he recognizes the problem and he recognizes that America is way ahead of any other country that's on these race issues. So do you think uh, that that system will start to disappear with this new generation? I mean, he probably, I don't know if he'd probably know anything about that, but. Um, I don't know. I think, I think he sees things as bubbling up and he sees things through a very like rational lens. Yeah. Dude, I can't even imagine growing up in India, dude. That place is crazy, man. That place is crazy. And Have you seen them drive there? Oh, my goodness. It's bonkers, dude. Yeah. It's off the walls. There's no traffic rules there, man. No. It is, it's every man for himself, dude. It's yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah. I got like a taste of that in um, when I was in Costa Rica on, on a missions trip. I mean, you just you'd see guys in like wheelchairs rolling down like the exact middle of a street and cars are passing by them on the left and right side people just people there are very assertive very assertive because you have to be because there's so much hustle and bustle uh but it was it's that that's why i think like boston people are so intense yes because they're on top of each other, man. If yeah. someone's in your face all the time, yeah, you gotta man. develop some fight in your blood. <laughs> you do, you do. Yeah, that's kind of like I feel like it's kind of like anti-Minnesota. Yeah, it is. It's kind of it, you're exact Minnesota nice. We try like, to be pleasant to one another, even if you're not feeling it. Dude, do you think it's a fake nice? Uh, yes, in a lot in a lot of ways, I do. I, I think there's definitely a line between you know just being pleasant, even when you're not you know of energy to like you know communicate with someone, but I think there's a it goes beyond that to the point where um, you'll be nice to some be be nice to someone even when it's not in their best interest for you to be nice to them. You know mm. when when honesty takes place over the being nice, but that gets put on the wayside because it's uncomfortable. Yeah, people are scared of confrontation, and it, it makes sense why. It makes sense why, but that's not good. No, it's not. It's not good at all. Yeah, it's confrontation is valuable. It's how you get stuff done. Yeah, it's how you stand for something. Exactly. It's how you have a backbone. It's yeah, yeah, it's exactly. Your being, you know, it's your, it's your being. It's your, it's your take. It's taking your place in the world and the exactly dominance man. hierarchy. Yeah, dude, I can only imagine what the first astronauts on the moon felt like when they planted that American flag, dude. Oh my God, oh, that'd be a thrill, man. Think and about that. You're getting launched up into space. Yeah. Okay. So, have you ever had a moment where you're like looking and it's like with like a super dope view or something, and you're looking at it and you think, "This is crazy. Like, this doesn't feel like real life." Yeah. Now, Matt, like that's what they felt being on the moon. If if you believe in the moon landing, of course. Absolutely. We have to include those people because they are listening. Yeah, they are out there. Right. Right. Um. 
but they felt that looking at like the earth dude like that'd be just surreal man just standing this, on another it's this ball yeah it's, dude. it's this blue and green with swirling clouds on yeah. top of it just this ball of like that's where everybody lives man it's just everyone, this dot in an infinite galaxy is that where everyone lives Oh my god, Aiden. dude! We got to talk about this. I haven't seen you in so long that we haven't been able to cover this subject. But UFOs? Are you a believer? I am now. Are you really? I have to be. Are you really? Yeah. You believe in UFOs? Why do you have to be? Um. Like when I say UFOs, I mean from another intelligent species out in outer space somewhere. Well, the news thing that came out. News thing. Unless that was like a news ploy. You didn't hear about that? Did I that? miss this? What, what's going on? Oh my God. Is and it so, this thing about the CIA stuff? Yeah, they the got CIA released. Declassified? Well, that was a while ago. That was but a while a ago. Thing, the military released um, footage of a UFO and announced and announced that like this is an unidentified flying object based on the physics of it because it ascends from like nine meters in the air to like 9,000 in a matter of seconds. From what I've heard. No You can look way. this up. I might look it up right now. I got to see this. I got to see this. Yeah, dude. Um, New, it's in the New York Times. Oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, okay, but listen to very, this. They're very vague about the information. Listen to this. So they're releasing it in quotation marks, but... Right, right. Yeah, I don't know. Now, do you think this could be a situation where it's like, you know, back in like the, the 60s? When they released newspapers, they they released like accurate drawings of like men that lived on the moon, and there was these weird aliens, yeah. and they, that would be released by big newspapers, right? Yeah. But this is like, but the thing is, this is like footage, right? This is footage. I gotta see this, this is, footage. This is this is, or it's just it's. I think it's footage, and it just a statement of. These exist. <laughs> we don't know what to do about it. These exist. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of like, you know, on the Joe Rogan podcast, he talks a lot about, um, he gets people on like uh, the pilots, like yeah. Air Force pilots and stuff that have seen. Those are interesting. Those are I very think... interesting. Because if you're going to believe a story, it's got to be for one of those guys. Right. Because they see it firsthand. But yep. at the same time, I don't know, man. There's, there's this one guy who says he worked on UFOs or not like, like, he worked for the government. Joe Rogan had him on. Right. And he said he worked on the actual UFOs or he went in the area and saw them with his eyes. And they were these like new material spheres that the government was keeping a secret. Yeah. Yeah. And you go talk to the little green guy in the lab and see what's <laughs> up. Yeah. Yeah, man. Dude. I think, I, I think he's full of shit, though. You think so? I don't know, man. I go back and forth on it, but I don't think there's... Because it's... In I think something definitely exists situ- within our government that we is beyond our comprehension. Oh, oh, for sure. Yeah, I bet. I can only imagine. Um, but what's weird in these situations is like it's always just a man being as good as his word when it comes to UFOs and aliens. Mm. It's like, dude, yeah. I found the I found the clip. Oh, should I should I swing on over? Yeah, you can just talk to this mic. Be careful, though. It's a little tight, tight quarters. Gotcha, gotcha. The title is No Longer in Shadows, Pentagon's UFO Unit Will Make Some Findings Public. For over a decade, the program now tucked inside the Office of Naval Intelligence has discussed mysterious events in classified briefings. Let's see here. Whoa, this is a hot take. Yeah, and it's the New York Times. Like they, They've been ac- like pretty accurately and unbiased 
like depicted what our country has gone through. Yeah. So we'll not discuss the program. Yet it appeared last month in a Senate committee report outlining spending on the nation's intelligence agencies for the coming year. The report said the program, the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force, was to standardize collection and reporting on sightings of unexplained aerial vehicles. So they're, they're coming up with a task force. Marco Rubio is involved with it. Whoa, they're coming up with a task force for this, dude. He is the acting chairman. Imagine being selected to be the guy that like finds aliens, dude. Whoa. That's and they're sick. coming up with it because they're like, these exist, and we have no idea if it's, if it's another country's government. Yeah, yeah. Or what's going on. Okay. Let me get situated here real quick. Do you think it is another country's government? Um, now, if we're talking about, like... I mean, you kind of got to do it one way or the other, right? You got to believe in aliens. Like, if you believe that... If you have, like, footage is released of a vehicle traveling insanely quick, you know, in, in ways that don't make sense... Now, if it's not physically like possible, right? Mm-hmm. Like with our understanding of science, then I think you might have to go alien. If it's beyond the laws of physics, right. there's no. If if a country figured out how to crack that code already, we'd be gone. If China right. figured that out, see ya, see ya. Sayonara. They distribute that ability to their. They have so many people. Yeah, it's yeah. Absurd. Now, do you think that? That it would be like with our law. We have laws of physics, right? Yeah. That have been backed up for generations and generations. But do you think you can crack that code? Is that even possible? Okay, so there's an Albert. I've actually been thinking about this a little bit. And there's an Albert Einstein quote that says, basically, in order to seek a solution, you have to look outside of the axioms that already present themselves. Uh, So you have to think outside the box. Think outside the box, and it has to abide by, to arrive to a new conclusion that you've never gotten to before, you have to think in a counterintuitive way that's outside of your parameters of thinking. And this is th- like the realm of theoretical physics. Right. With black holes, which are proven to exist. Really? I yeah, didn't know that. Because uh, we have a telescope that can see them now. And uh, so there's there's... Well, we're not really sure what they are, but they do show up as a blip on the... Oh, right, like a collapsing sun, right? Is that what it is? Yeah. They create the black hole and but just sucks a, everything in. There's a infinitesimally small point at the middle of the black hole where it like distributes matter and photons into another realm. That's something It's like a break in the universe. Nice. So have you seen Interstellar? Yes, man. That it's a great movie, movie is crazy, dude. Have dude. you seen Tenet? I haven't yet. Is that only in theaters, man? Yeah. Dude, I got to see it. You got to... Me and Blake saw it. You saw it in Fargo? It was... Yeah, it was crazy. Fargo, nobody goes to the theater, so go. There you go. They're still open. Oh, my... Dude, I wanted to see it because... But Christopher Nolan directing. Same as Interstellar. Same as Batman trilogy. Yeah. Yup. Dude, the Pat... Dude. The Light Rises, dude. So, uh, my buddy was telling me about this because we were talking about like... uh, uh, the creative industry and how you can kind of make it as a nobody just being in your bedroom. Yep. Um, and I think this is Tenet. Uh, I want to say I remember this correctly, but the guy that does the score for Tenet was some guy in his bedroom making music, 
Hans Zimmer hears his music and gives his recommendation. And then bada beam, bada boom, he's doing the score for Tenet, a Christopher Nolan movie. That's what I've noticed is that like in Christopher Nolan movies, the the music drives the action. It drives everything in the movie. It's just this momentum force throughout the whole thing. And in the past, Hans Zimmer's done it, right? Yes. And he's been in charge of that choreography and sort of putting together like he was in in Interstellar. Yes. And that amazing dude, that soundtrack is just unreal. And it's an orchestra. It it's is. It's this old-fashioned sort of feel to it, but it, it hits you with this momentum. And it's it's crazy to think, because you can... I could wrap my mind around just being like a violinist and playing that, right? After many years of practice, perfecting my... I, I, you know, you can, you can play some, some Hans Zimmer score. But imagine being the guy that, you know, you just come up with this. You create this in your mind. And then beyond that, you're like, all right, violinists are going to do this, you know, drums here, there's going to be a crash here. And you're just like a meticulous mastermind, but with such a creative, you know, flair to it. Yeah, And, it, dude. and it's in sync with what's going on in the movie and the momentum behind you know? the emotions. Yes, yes. And tying the scenes together with the music is huge, man. <sighs> Crazy. I can't, I can't even imagine like the feeling you get after seeing a finished product like that. You're like, wow. Whoa. And it takes you back. It's like yeah, it's the process because only you know the process. Yeah, yeah. If you can be a maestro of your craft, you're gonna be pretty successful. I like know? that word, maestro. Yeah, dude, the conductor. You know, it's just shoot you. That's right, baby. Dude, and you're on your way. And you're, you're on, on your way? way to being a maestro. Yeah, yeah, man. I, we'll see. Oh, dude, I never. Okay, I feel very unsure sometimes. So we'll see. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean. You're, you can't be sure until you've made it, right? Yeah, and even after you make it, I hear from people who make it. It's like it's not all it's it cracked up to feel, be. It's not all it's cracked to be, and it doesn't feel like a real experience. It's sort of like a weird dream. So, oh, is that like the uh, what is it, like the imposter syndrome, where it's like you don't feel like you deserve to be where you're at? Oh, really? I I think that's that's a thing. I think a lot of famous people get that. Like, oh man, this is not me. I don't deserve this. I really, especially those like child roles. They're given a role as a kid, and then they get, yeah. they get stuck in this positive feedback loop, just like we were saying, yeah. of this like continual sort of, oh, congratulations, you're playing out this character that you're being paid to play because it makes us money, you know? And then, yes. And then you're caught yes. up in that. This is like Hannah Montana. Yeah. And then after a while, you reach a point where it's like, this isn't me at all. And Miley Cyrus was kind of a train wreck there for a little bit. It was, you know? yeah. It was, it was just a complete 180. I'm yeah. not sure if she would characterize it as a train wreck, but like right. from an outsider yeah, looking in. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. That sounds kind of naive of me. Yeah, from an yeah. outsider looking in, it didn't look so hot. Yeah, there was a lot going on there. It was. She would smoke weed before she went on to play Hannah Montana. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. She said that on the Joe Rogan podcast. That's very interesting. Oh, she was she was on the podcast. Yeah. How was that? I, I didn't see that episode. Was it good? There were some good clips. Yeah. For sure. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I watched like... That'd be an interesting one. I the clips anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah, true. It's hard to get It's hard as three, three hours. Hour yeah, man. I feel that. I feel that. But um, uh, did you know Percy Harvin used to smoke weed before going out and playing? Really? On game day. Yeah. Or you get high. Dude, a lot of like athletes that I'm familiar with do that. It helps with the nerves. It helps with the nerves and it centers yourself a little bit. And you're more aware of your body in a weird way. 
You know, oh, like, yeah, yeah. That's why Joe Rogan does it for jujitsu, and a lot of people do it for jujitsu. Oh, I can only imagine, Eddie dude. Eddie Bravo does it. Yeah. It's just, you're more in tune with your body, and it's, it's like this physical dance that's also very aggressive. Yeah, interesting. Would you, okay, would you consider weed then a, a performance-enhancing drug? <sighs> yes. <laughs> no, no. I don't know, man. I don't, that's the thing. Yeah. That's the thing. But I feel like there's a there's a flip side to that where, like, you're like probably slower reactions. Yeah, you're a noodle. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I've been familiar with a few noodles in my day too. So you're familiar with a few noodles. Yeah, like they're they're just out. Oh yeah, I gotcha. Can't take the heat. Nope, nope. I gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's funny. Like I love I love people like that. Can you elaborate on that? They just like I feel like being able to be like uh, like. Uh, vulnerable in that state of like sheer confusion because there's there's it's like a it's like a coming of age thing like you know you gotta get like i don't know you gotta allow yourself to get outside your comfort zone a little bit and this happens like in high school and like college and like yeah being able to kind of like uh not take yourself too seriously i guess dude totally man that's that's so valuable and you'll be so much see this this is an interesting one because you want to have a sense of pride but at the same time, like you said, you want to be able to not take yourself seriously. But I think that's especially valuable, like in that developmental years, to be able yep. to not take yourself seriously. Absolutely, man. I think you're gonna be way happier for it too. Yeah. But it's it's so much easier said than done. Yeah, it's hard to serve yourself and serve the people around you and serve the larger community at whole and keep your head afloat. Yeah. It's hard to do all those things. Yeah, you know, it can be overwhelming. Yeah. And, you know, you're going to have to make sacrifices somewhere. What do you do when you get overwhelmed? Ooh, that's a good... I, I don't know, man. I think when I get overwhelmed, I think I lose, like, a, a sense of control over my life. You know, and, and I... Right. And in order to... I think there's good... When, when those emotions happen, I feel like there's good things that you can do and there's bad things that you can do. Right. So for me, I try... And I'm not great at this, but I try to exercise. I feel like yeah. that... Yeah, you're releasing that energy in an outlet that's serving yourself, but you're also like, yeah, it's it's direct and intense, and it's right. It's the, a, yeah, no, you're right. Like the biggest thing for me when working out is like if I'm overwhelmed, like you said, losing that sense of control, and when I go and work out, um, it almost puts you back in the driver's seat. Yeah, you you feel yeah. There's a primitive because what is working out serve like it serves your health definitely because you want to like be well oxygenated and totally run the totally run it run the system you gotta, with a you lot gotta of oil. tune yeah even a mercedes need to tune up every once in a while you know <laughs> that's right man that's right it's a luxury vehicle it is it is yeah i'd be cruising around in one of those <laughs> what's Just your dream car what's your dream car dude i really like those like european like two-seater kind of like luxury convertible cars really i like those really but one with a little bit more performance instead of like because because a car is not just about how fast it goes that's what i'm realizing yeah it's about how it feels in your hands yeah there's got a little bit of a yeah a little bit of a rattle will give it like more entertaining of a drive totally totally like 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 seeing those like those old like 
old fashioned convertibles from like uh, like the seventies or sixties. I'm not like a big car guy. I don't really know, but those are so interesting because like the, especially the people I think are very interesting that keep those cars in such good shape. I've seen a few of them around Fargo. It's like yeah, wow, that looks like new. Yeah, yeah, and there's not like not much of like a practical reason for it outside of maybe the monetary value of the car itself. Yeah, but even then, it's but you're like, sinking so much money into it to keep it, you and know, you're investing into a thing that's pretty questionable. Like, what if you get into a car accident? Yeah, it's like yeah. then it's gone. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, and that could happen pretty, totally, pretty easily, totally. But there's something about it where you're like, you want to keep it nice, you want to keep it looking new, but at the yeah. same time, you want to ride around town and flex a little bit with it too. I feel like, yeah, that's what I would do if I had a nice oh, old totally fashioned car like that. You, I mean, that's the thing. There's a that's what the Hobbit's about. Have you seen those movies? The Hobbits, yeah, yeah, I have. I haven't. I'm referencing another movie that I haven't seen, <laughs> but <laughs> but I have seen like part of the first one. So okay, okay. There's Smog. Jordan yes. Peterson references this this parable. Smog you know. is cool. I like Smog. And he sits on a pile of gold yep. and he doesn't do anything with it. And he just guards it. And those smogs of society are real. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's, there's people out there just sitting on this old money. Yes. It's just sitting there. It's not fluid. Right. It's not filtered into society. Yes. It's in some offshore account or some, you know, some way that they can kind of tuck it away. But it's exactly. just a pile of gold that's underground. Yeah, dude. That comes back to uh, that parable in the Bible. This comes back to like religion where like Christianity, whether you believe it or not, uh, it kind of shows a good way to live. Right? Absolutely. So uh, it gives you a framework that's hard to arrive to on your own. Exactly, exactly. Like yeah, it's like it's like a little handbook, you know. It gives mm-hmm. you it gives you a few good ways to act and function society well. Um now the parable that, you know, God gave or whoever this guy was, I don't know. I don't know exactly how it went, but some guy gave three other guys like money, you know, five hundred bucks. Yeah. One guy goes out and invests it, doubles his money. He gets a high five. Next guy does like similar things, a little bit less, but he still makes money. He gets another high five. Third guy just sat on it. He buried it, right? Like yeah. that smog, man, just sitting on it. Now you have to understand that, you know, money, it's not something to be afraid of or to fear or to think you're going to lose. You should be willing to lose it. So you have to take risks with money if you want to make money. Yep. It's something you want to be able to con- control and have power over and not let it have power over you. Mm-hmm. Right, absolutely, no, and it can't be this thing that's haunting you. It's yeah. just if it's not in play and it's not serving a purpose, we're all gonna die. That's the thing. Exactly. If it's not, I don't. You, you have to serve a function in life. That's the thing. That's what I like about Christianity. Because if you get down to its roots, it's about like bearing your cross and bearing that burden and that sacrifice of life. Because. Yeah. You're gonna have to sacrifice for something. That's the thing. Like totally, you're gonna have to choose what you're gonna take on, and what you're gonna sacrifice part of yourself toward. Yeah, yeah, and it's like I said, like before, we're kind of getting to like a an interesting and exciting kind, of, but kind of scary part in our lives. We're getting to a crossroads, and we're we're getting to a point where we're put in a position where we almost have to make the decision like soon. Yeah. What are you going to sacrifice your life? You know, part of that, that life for you. What are you going to carry your cross for? Absolutely, man. Dude, on that Strange. note, yeah. 
I got some homework due tonight. <laughs> so I'm going to have to cut this short. We're clocking in at two hours and five minutes, though. Ooh-wee. That was a good one. That's, yeah, dude, I, I needed that, man. Thank you, Jay. I needed that. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It's always well, a pleasure, dude. Hayden. It's always a pleasure. God bless you. You're amazing. Love you, baby. <laughs> All right, peace out. Make sure to write in those questions. We'll get the questions back soon. You know, I got lost in conversation with Jake here. Didn't get to the question part, but you know the deal. Uh, Keep tuning in, I guess. Peace out.